Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solace, and with me is my very talented friend. She's my little powdered sugar-covered beignet, the mixtress DC, Gina. Um, I would like that to be my last, like, thing, like, when I'm dying, like, powdered, like, like put a little bit of powdered sugar on me, <laughs> call me a day, that's it. Drop you in the ground? No, right into the oven. Oh, in the oven, yeah, there we just, go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, wouldn't it just, then it would be, like, almost like flan or, like, a, a creme brulee, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, that's it. <laughs> I'm into both. If you put a beignet in my mouth and then and then and then disintegrate me, so morbid but funny. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Go. Do you know the first dish that was ever served um, in a restaurant? No, I don't. But I I I think it had to be in like France or something. Well, that part you got correct. So. This is a dish that I don't think either of us would ever, ever order. I know I wouldn't. Um, you're a little more adventurous than I am. But according to my research, it was sheep's feet simmered in white sauce. That's how it was. De- that's the descriptor. Yeah. I don't know why they started with the feet, but they did. So it was served by a tavern keeper, to your point, uh, 1970, or 1765 Paris. Um, he claimed that his dish restored health, and this is really interesting. So it made it a restorative, and in French, the word for restorative is restaurant, which obviously ah. I'm not saying as the French would, because I don't have a French accent and I would butcher it, but yes. So look at that. Huh. That's very interesting. You like that? But I like how the bartender yeah. made the space. Yeah. It's way more fun. Tavern keeper. Yeah. 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 Are you, so you're going to put... I'm stunned. Sheep, I'm stunned. You're going to put those feet in our <laughs> sheep feet in I'm going to I'm gonna wrap this up with our new guest because okay. this is so speaking very of, interesting okay. to me. Like, does, is he sheep's feet when I don't know about it? I mean, I'll let Here's you know. how. Because speaking of all things restorative, let's introduce today's designated drinker who just might be able to restore my opinion on sheep's feet. <laughs> The cookbook author, the reality TV star, the chef owner of Bayou Bakery, and I hope I get his last name right, David Guas. You nailed it. Hot dog. I almost always get it wrong. 2020. (laughs) Whoop, whoop. You get extra sheep's feet today for your meal. Wait, hold on. (laughs) Can I go back just being wrong? Did you know that? Absolutely not. Yeah. What What would you think that the first meal served in a restaurant is? Uh, some kind of stewed meat, yeah, you know, definitely something just cooked down in a pot, you know, because I mean that's, I mean that's the kind of food that I come from anyway. I yeah. Mean, but I guess with the French, it would be a little bit more eccentric and sort of off the wall. That's, yeah. That's that's pretty appropriate. Yeah. But I would never get feet. That. Yeah. No. The only reason why I knew it was like some had to be somewhere in France is because they like invented dining. Yeah. Restaurants. Yeah. 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 That was the only reason why I got France. I had no idea that restorative was restaurant. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's, it could be all wrong. I could just be lying. Like I don't know. Restorative? Yeah. Restaurant hardware? Restaurant. Restoration hardware. Oh, maybe. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. Whatever. So, welcome to the show. Yes, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. You have such a successful career, whether or not you can fix, fix, uh, make sheep's feet taste good or not. Uh, <laughs> tell us how it all started from a food court and a cheesesteak and how that was a catalyst to your amazing career. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's kind of it. You know, growing up in New Orleans, um, 
you know, food is, you know, like anything, you sort of take for granted where you're from and your surroundings and especially at a, a young age. But uh, I, I, I toyed with, with college, went off um, and, and spent a couple of years in Colorado. Um, didn't work out, came back home, and that's when I just needed a job. So I got a job near where I grew up, which was in a, a shopping center um, in the food court. And it was called Philly's, Philly's, just Philly's. And it was a cheesesteak joint owned by a, a, a Honduran family that had multiple <laughs> locations in multiple malls. Yep. Great, great family, big family. Uh, they were from Attila, which is where they actually don't even speak Spanish in Honduras. Huh. It's like a small island where it's like this weird Jamaican slang. Very interesting. But anyway, um, that's got awesome. a job yeah. there, right? Got a job there, and about a month later, I ratted out the manager to the owner because uh, he was his first cousin and he was stealing from him. Oh, and no. then I became the manager within about 35 days of being hired <laughs> there. Uh, and then um, just kind of ran this little cheesesteak joint. And, you know, for me, it was one defining moment <clears throat> of I made a cheesesteak, as simple as it sounds, for a guy, and he gave me a lot of flack going into it, saying that he was from Philadelphia, but he wanted to just, you know, give one a shot. He was hungry, whatever. So I made him one. He told me what he wanted on it. He sat down. He ate it. He came back up about 10 minutes later. He ordered two more for his drive back to Philly. Wow. Uh, or for the plane or for whatever he was doing. He wasn't driving back to Philly. This was in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, he said that was one of the best cheesesteaks he's ever had. And I think that regardless of how true it was, it just rang for me, you know, it was that instant gratification that I could make something, whether it was my creation, my formula, my whatever to start and produce something with my hands and have someone consume it and be that excited about it and give me that instant, um, you know, feedback, yeah. you know, that, that, that sort of that gratification. And so that's kind of where that sort of feeling was born or at least, um, you know, recognized. And then um, after that, I had asked my Aunt Lou, Janice Bourgeois, who still to this day is in Abbeville, Louisiana, three hours west of New Orleans, <laughs> called her up and I said, you know, what do I, what do, I do? You know, my parents were kind of done with my back and forth and my uh, inability to sort of pick my next direction. There was a lot of other things that I did to my parents. It wasn't just that. Um, and so they were kind of like, okay, you need to find an apartment. You can't live at home anymore, you know, while you figure your life out. So I said, okay. So I called my aunt and I asked her about, you know, school and skills and, and you know, sort of picking us. Because she said, listen, you need to pick a trade, whether it's plumbing or electric, you know, be an electrician or cooking or whatever, and just do it. Go to the whatever limited amount of school you need for any kind of certification. Just get out there in the workforce and start knocking it out. So <clears throat> I, um, I looked at cooking. Um, there was a sort of a culinary school in New Orleans, so it was really close to home. I didn't have to go far. It wasn't expensive. I had to tap my grandmother for money because my parents, again, were done with me. Uh, Burn that I spent bridge. two years of, of, the, of my college money uh, and, and not much to show for it, so they were kind of tapped out emotionally and financially. Um, and then, uh, then one last call my grandmother made to Justin Wilson. I don't know if you remember Justin Wilson. He was the red suspender wearing, um, wore a red French neckerchief kind of bow tie, old school like ribbon tie, uh -huh. and his tagline was "I guarantee." Yeah. And on PBS every morning, Saturdays <laughs> yes, he yes, would he yeah. would cook and tell stories. Yes. That was. He was like the Cajun cook or something, right? He was from a, a Meet, Louisiana. He was a neighbor of my grandmother, 
and allegedly a family member of ours. Uh oh. Kissing cousins, you know. There you go. That's the South. The South. So, especially <laughs> Amy, Louisiana. It's a small little podunk town. Still got just a couple street lights and whatnot. Not even a street light. And I called him. I said, well, you know, you've been talking about this since I was little, that we were family to Justin. Well, if you know him so well, put him on the phone. So she called him. And uh, I asked him about culinary school and this and that. And he got his advice. And so that was kind of, that was the final sort of, ad, final aspect to sort of gaining information about direction by me asking multiple people what I should do, what they thought I should do, school versus just getting a job in a kitchen. And he suggested that I go to this culinary school. So I did. So I enrolled. I think it was like five or six grand. Thank you, Nan. May you rest in peace. Uh, I got it from my my other grandmother. um, And uh, that was it. Went to culinary school. um, Got a job at the Windsor Court Hotel right out of school. Um, Not exactly right out of school, but... um, that's where I ended up. Yeah. So that was kind of my continued education at the Windsor Court. At the time, Five Diamond, Five Star Hotel. Wow. It was rated the top hotel in the country. Uh, in, wow, in you the, started there. That's great. In 1996, I mean, yes. That's a great, like, start. It was a great, and it was a great way to sort of continue my education because this was a crash course kind of culinary school. It was not, you know, and a lot of my focus in school was really savory. It wasn't uh, desserts or pastry at all. I mean, oh, I think we made, like, one cake and some, you know, some quick breads, and that was it. Everything else was consommes and stocks and mother sauces and you know, sort of learning the base core, you know, sort of, uh, sort of uh, techniques and and knife skills and things like that, trussing and, you know, nothing that I really ended up doing uh, (laughs) initially, Uh, but now I am, so. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great start. I mean, I I, I actually applied. You're a hustler. That's it, man. Uh, Exactly. Well, I mean, even like if you think about like your parents are like, that's enough. Right. I mean, that in itself was a kick in the ass. And they've said you. that before yeah. Yeah, numerous times, but this, this, <laughs> this time they really meant it. <laughs> but, I mean, maybe you were that baby bird that just needed your ass kicked right out of the, the nest. I think I see a lot of people, I don't have children, talked about it. I'm a, I'm a great parenter from the sidelines. But I see people, I mean, like, my parents were that way. My mother was like, you've got to get out there and do it yourself. No exactly. one's going to help you. And it may have been tough. Lo- it was definitely tough love. Mm-hmm. But... Had she not done that, I wouldn't have the audacity to go out there and just do it. Oh, and I, I think that's what it is, the audacity to believe sure. that you can do it. Right. And and it, it may not be a lick of common sense. But it's, <laughs> because it, you're just like, I'm going to just go for it. And if I, I and I'm going to get a couple bumps and bruises along the way and maybe a few good scars that tell good stories and help me propel to the next space. That's right. I think those life lessons are important. It's your first real dose of... This is the fucking real world. Exactly. And, yep. And, that, and nobody's and here to hold your damn it. hand. It's the last push out of the tree. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. Right out of the nest. Fly, yeah. you little fucker. Exactly. <laughs> you better fly. You know how to do it. You've seen it. <laughs> you now it's your time. Yeah. You can't like put like five and six year olds into the situation, right? <laughs> no, no, not quite. Oh. Don't look at me because I'm the wrong person. Ever. Like, Those not? are criminal charges. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, exactly. You can't wait to go to jail, Gina. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't have to bail you out again. I'll wait. I just oh. can't wait for a day. Yeah, well, again. I'm close. <laughs> I got one that's almost 18. <laughs> anyway. Well, he's going to college. Yeah, he's going to college. Yeah, so yeah. Is he following in your footsteps at all? God, I hope no. No, he's not. No. I, you know, I think that, you know, what 
you know, like any household where you have two people that are own their own businesses and work as hard as my wife and I do um, in this industry, um, you know, that's what they pick up on. So yeah. they, they learn work ethic, they learn, learn discipline, and, and but they also learn, you know, that we, we don't encourage them to look at our industry as a, a career path at all. It was very funny <laughs> as my father was an artist. Somebody's got to pay for us when we get older. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my father was an, an artist and he taught art all of his life. And when I said I was going to art school, my father was like, what? And he's like, because I went to the college for art and design, and he mm -hmm. was, so I was not going into fine arts. I was definitely going into commercial art, but my dad really wanted me to rethink that, because as an artist, he's like, are you sure? And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm taking a different path of that. And he still wasn't, I mean, he was very supportive, but he was very apprehensive. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they want to know that you thought through tomorrow. Yeah, I think he wanted me to be like a, a banker or something like sure. that. For him, was more, you know, secure, but, you know. Right. I couldn't do that. How'd you get here? In this bar? No. Last call? <laughs> How did you come to these? So you're there, you're in New Orleans, you're in this like epicenter. How'd you get here? So like, you the Windsor here? Court was the path. So when I got a job at the Windsor Court, I applied in the kitchen, in the savory kitchen, the hotline. Mm -hmm. And at the time, the executive chef's name was Jeff Tunks. He was on vacation when I applied, but I was told by, you know, whoever else in HR or what have you that they actually didn't have any positions open, you know, on the hotline at the time or in the, you know, kitchen, whether it's catering or banquets or whatever, just the savory aspect. And <clears throat> so I, you know, I was a little discouraged because I literally picked that spot to apply. I said, I'm going to work there. Wow. Because I knew it would help me continue my education. It was, yeah. I literally, I, at the time, obviously I didn't Google it because Google wasn't around, <laughs> but it was the number one hotel in the United States. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that is literally a mile and a half from my apartment. You know, I need to capitalize on this. So <clears throat> they turned me down, basically. And then a few weeks went by and I was still unemployed. So I scrambled and got a job at the Court of Two Sisters because my, one of our family members uh, own, owns it, the fines. And so my aunt is a fine. And so she called her cousin. And basically I didn't even, I wasn't even interviewed. It was just like, okay, just show up and do your paperwork <laughs> and we'll get you a uniform. So I went in, it's in, it's in the French Quarter and yeah. no disrespect to the fines and what they're doing there, but it, you know, I wasn't meant to be there. Yeah. So I did, I went in, did all the paperwork and they're like, okay, great. Here's your uniform. You know, you start tomorrow. I went back to my apartment. I was living in the French Quarter at the time, 1320 Dauphine, right next to Porter Call. Gina's, oh, Gina's yes, favorite, favorite place. Favorite restaurant. Love that place. That I, know. Because of you. I, I, yes, I exposed her to that uh, yeah. establishment. I've had many, of, yes. too many hurricanes. Monsoons. There. Monsoons, sorry, yes. Yes, yes, yes. monsoons. Get Gina, your storms right. <laughs> <laughs> monsoon. By the, by the time Gina and I get there, we probably shouldn't be there. Sure. So. <laughs> That's 98% of the, yeah. So I was living literally next door, so like we shared the same, the side alley, the fence. But anyway, so I get back to my apartment, and there's a message on my answer machine from the executive pastry chef, uh, master pastry chef at the Windsor Court, saying, you know, hey, they pushed your application down from the kitchen, and we're, you know, interested in interviewing you for the pastry department. You know, call me back. So I jump on my bike, I pedal there, <laughs> go through my first interview, blah, 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 all this stuff. Anyway, long story short, I was hired there. I had to call my 
uncle back and tell him, sorry, I'm not going to work tomorrow at the, at the Quarter Two Sisters. And, um, and that was it. I mean, I, you know, I start, that's where I started. So day one was doing a banquet of, I think, 350 or 400 people. And wow. it was lemon meringue tarts. And I didn't even, I didn't, A, didn't know how to make meringue. Two, <laughs> sure as hell didn't know how to pipe meringue. So I've got this German master pastry chef that came from the Four Seasons in Vancouver you know, and was working at the Windsor Court, and he's got his master's in, in pastry. I mean, this guy was just probably mid-60s at the time. And, you know, he just looked like, you know, the a part. German master <laughs> yeah. that had very little patience for people like me. And, but you know what? You know, once he showed me um, and showed me how to pipe, I, I finished the rest of the tarts. You know, it was just like one of those things. I said, Chef, you know, you show me once and, and you won't have to show me again. And I'll do it exactly the way you do it and yep. blah, 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 blah. And so, you know, fast forward maybe six months later, um, Jeff Tunks um, is supposed to hire everybody oh. because he's the executive chef of the hotel. Yeah. Well, he never hired me because he was on vacation and they oh, slipped my yeah. application through. So that's kind of the ongoing joke now today, but we'll get there in a second. So <laughs> he used to come hang out on the flour and, and, and sugar bags in the back pastry department while I was plating desserts uh, for the grill room at night for dinner service and just kind of pick my brain and talk to me about, cause I, you know, I'm from New Orleans. Yeah. And um, long story short, I didn't realize, but he was grooming me and trying to figure out who I was and how I was because he was gonna offer me a position to move to DC. So fast forward a year later, and then he offered me a position to move from New Orleans to D.C. to help he and his two partners open their first restaurant together called D.C. Coast. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yes, exactly. So I moved February 15th, 1998 to the nation's capital. Um, they got me an apartment at 13th and Mass, uh, nice. which is called the Cambridge Apartments. Look at that. And uh, I was a little one-room efficiency overlooking <laughs> Massachusetts <laughs> Avenue. I got, you know first-hand look of all the transactions that happened yeah. in that block area in that time in, in 98 yeah. in the late 90s yeah. and uh different it's a different place now. it's a different place yeah. and so uh and that's it i i got i went out of my apartment i walked to 13th street i mean l street i cut across to where stoney's used to be and i was at work every day and uh we opened up dc coast in june of 98 and then i was with that group for almost 10 years uh wow. opening up four of their uh primary uh, restaurants, and then I did some consulting for them later when they started opening others. Um, so, I mean, kind of the accidental pastry chef is kind of how I've always dubbed myself. Oh, I that's just kind of fun. fell into, because I knew I wanted to work at that hotel. Yeah. So whatever it took. And so there you go. So maybe you too should be powder covered, powder uh, sugar oh, covered. Oh, by <laughs> definitely. I've definitely got plenty of 10X in my veins. Uh, and that was it. I mean, that was, you know, worked with them for that long. And so, you know, that's kind of how I got here. Yeah. That's great. What what pushed you and propelled you into doing cookbooks? <clears throat> well, the first cookbook was really motivated by Katrina. Um, you know, having you know already have been been moved here and established here in D.C., I was not directly affected by the storm, but my yeah. parents were, and all my family, family and friends. Of course, and yeah, I mean, we were all closest affected. friends, right? Yeah, and but so obviously, yours is a little bit closer. I, I think for me, it was. Um, it was my own way to process what happened because I, what I found myself doing was judging my parents for the decision they made, which was to leave the city and not come back and rebuild. Yeah. And I was so horrified by that news because home is always where your parents are, yeah. you know? Yep. And so in my mind at the time, their decision was jeopardizing my identity and who I was and, what oh, I, and where I called home. Yeah. 
So I stewed with that for way too long. Very selfish of me. Finally, and this is all internal. I wasn't yeah. projecting this onto them. And finally, um, I said, you know what? I got to write a book. I got to write a book about all my childhood spots, the things that I remember about that incredible city and do it before, you know, another storm comes or another whatever happens. So oh, that's interesting. I, that I was that's motivated that... by trying to capture. And I think, you know, I had we'd already had both of our kids and they mm -hmm. were very young. And I wanted something in writing that they could have for their time capsule, for their whatever. And it literally told their father's story about, yeah. you know, what I remember as, as, as at their age about that city. So, you know, we went from the local bakeries. I remember picking off little pieces of passage on the on the decorative wedding cakes that were in the window <laughs> as a kid. I would snap off these little pieces of hardened Naughty. sugar and like break their display yeah. and chew on them and gnaw on them and suck on them. Break your teeth. Yeah, it was uh, it was called Lawrence's Bakery on on Elysian Fields uh, Boulevard in Gentilly, and it was it was the Mr. Wedding Cake. I can still remember the signage, you know, because back then signs were badass. Yes. Um, and they you know had this guy who was dressed in a suit full length like full like massive guy and he had like a mustache he looked like something out of i don't know what but it was mr lawrence and it was mr they called him mr wedding cake and uh lawrence's bakery was uh, an amazing place but anyway so places like that and you know my dad's uh animal clinic was on elysian fields i remember collecting pecans on the neutral ground because we call them neutral grounds it was not until i went to college till i knew what a, learned what a median was because in new orleans we call medians neutral grounds Oh, yeah, you don't when you ever, said that, I, I thought maybe If you, you ever hear somebody say something about a median and they're, they live in New Orleans, they're not <laughs> from, from New Orleans. Orleans. <laughs> they came post-Katrina. Uh, but yeah, Well, it, I was impressed with the pecans. Oh, yeah. That you said pecan. Oh, yeah, it's pecan. Yeah. It's not pecan. Yeah. Pecan's what you bring up in a deer stand. <laughs> so oh, So you what? don't have to climb down. Pecan. Yeah, you pee in the oh, can. Oh, pecan. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you bring up in a deer stand, so you don't have to. Yeah, I, 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 next time I go to a deer stand, I'll make sure yeah. I'm bringing my pecans and my pecans. That's right. <laughs> don't get the two confused. Um, That's just a nutty situation. Yeah, literally, this one road in Gentilly was lined with pecan trees in the middle of the city. So we used to get our little plastic grocery bags and just load them up, bring them back to my grandma's house and uh, crack nuts. Yep. Jean had a crazy idea when we were in uh, Tails a couple of years ago. She wanted us to go to what I thought when you said neutral ground. I was thinking a park, and she wanted us to go and harvest um, moss. Do you remember that? You, what was it? Was uh, wanted to steal Spanish the Spanish moss? She wanted us oh, to go. Spanish moss, yeah. Yeah, you got then, a lot of bugs in there. You got to well, be careful. Well, that was the other thing. <laughs> it was you don't want to touch it. They itch. They scratch. All of a sudden, you start getting bites and rashes. It's crazy. Yeah, she wanted us to go into the park <laughs> and, and and borrow, and then finally, somebody said, you know, that's actually illegal, and yeah. there's lice. bugs in it. And I was they, like, they say lice, yeah. like all kind of little critters, critters. living there. No. Yeah. Well, it makes amazing that tea. You know, that Spanish the the, the Spanish moss tea that you can make. I would think you'd have to steam it or do some kind of pressure like some kind of heat treatment to kill off whatever else could be growing in there. I mean, yeah, but... Or not. But... I guess if you're going to mix it with a spirit, eventually it's going to... That's the most, sanit, you know, most yeah. sterile product you can use. But anyway. So your second cookbook... Yes. ...departed from sweets altogether. Correct. And Unless that came from my show on Travel Channel. Yeah. Called American Grilled. Yes. Um, so American Grilled was a um, Think Chopped. Uh, but for grillers and yeah. obviously outdoors. So yep. we, we did 13 cities. Unlike Chopped and other shows, I had to do a, what I consider a very difficult role, which was host and judge. 
So in one part, as a host, I want everybody to love me. Exactly. You know, I want to be that charming guy, animated, you know, keep the dimples going. You know, I want people to be like, oh, that guy, I love watching that guy. He's so great. <laughs> and then at the same time, <laughs> I sit down a half hour later, I'm telling you to get lost. Yeah. So it was like, how am I going to win here? How am I going to be? See, all I do is judge Gina's cocktails, and well, that's, that's easy. That's, that's a win-win <laughs> every single damn time. <laughs> Yeah, she'll tell you how she feels about you, your comments as well. So. Yeah, pretty, I, I mean. But you know what I mean? Like, as the way my brain started working, yeah. I was like, how am I going to do that? How am I yeah. going to win terrible. the hearts of America? And then at the same time. Be an asshole. You know, well. Or break just, people's dreams. I, exactly. I have yeah. to let people go. Crush and so people's spirits. Right. So <laughs> that was tricky. I mean, I feel like you might probably like that just a little bit. And be like, you know, you're just not going to cut the I, mustard here, I did not here, like buddy. it. I just, I don't, I, I, I didn't, I hadn't seen yeah. something that had done that before that I could play model that, you know. Yeah. Mo right. So I was like, well, how's that going to work, you know? So I just went into it as myself and what have you. But anyway, we ended up shooting 13 Cities, Travel Channel uh, show. It was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of hard work, I'm sure. Not easy, you know. Yeah. The biggest stretch was six and a half weeks on the road. Yep. Um, but part of my contract I negotiated was that they had to fly me home every show, like in between every show. Oh, interesting. I had to come back to the because I just opened my restaurant. Oh, gotcha. So I'm like, I don't care if I'm home for six hours or for 16 hours. Yeah. I need to be able to walk into my restaurant, remind them that I'm here, and blah 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 blah, and just kind of spend whatever little time I have doing that. And yep. obviously kiss the kids and the wife and that kind of thing. So they agreed and that's what I did. And it made it more difficult because it was just more travel, more yeah. back and forth, more packing, unpacking. But anyway, um, it was a great run. I enjoyed the show. I, you know, like anything, you know, you feel like you built momentum yep. and that you could have done X, Y, and Z differently and better next time. Of course. This was right around the time where travel left Chevy Chase and moved to Knoxville. Yep. Because they're owned by Scripps, which is based in Knoxville. And so they had a big shakeup. And so part of that was when you have new CEOs come in, you have change up a lot of things that are premature, you know, new shows or what have you end up getting thrown out regardless yep. of ratings or so anyway, because I internalized a lot of that. I, you know, I kind of took a lot of that on myself thinking that it was something I did and there were so many moving parts. It, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't obviously just me. Uh, that Media is fickle. Exactly. Yeah. So that was it. It was, uh, so the, sh so the book Grill Nation came from American Grilled and it was a collaboration with myself uh, and Southern Living. Uh, so it was a Time Inc. Uh, published, um, uh, Oxmoor House, but owned by Time Inc. And um, so it was great because I had already worked with Southern Living for the past 15, 20 years on recipes and I knew those guys and cool. it was an easy collaboration. It was a great collaboration. Uh, and they allowed me to have full control, um, awesome. which was great. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, here we are two, two books later and working on a third, so. Yeah, it was, it, so when I do research for the show, of course, I, I Google, and some guests are harder to find. <laughs> you were not hard to find any information about at all. I wanna know, did Hoda copy hit, hit on you? <laughs> I love Hoda. Uh, I love Hoda too. I think, you know, well, she, you know, she spent a lot of time in New Orleans and considers yes. New Orleans part of her home. Absolutely. Uh, you know, she's got Egyptian sort of bloodline, mm -hmm. and, and but she literally, like Drew Brees and her buddies, you know what I mean, like their best, you know, always tweeting at each other. So she, you know, when I walked in the Today Show over the, a span of 17 or 18 years, um, you know, if Hoda was walking through the hall, she would just give me a high five and say, who dat? You yeah. know? So she always, always recognized me as being the New Orleans chef, even though I wasn't living in New Orleans yeah. anymore. But every time I came on, it was always doing something related to New Orleans cuisine. Yeah. 
for yeah. the most part. So is Al Roker as nice as he seems? You know what, Al is a good guy. Um, yeah. You know, we ended up having a meeting after one of the shows. He had his agent come to me and ask me to meet next time I was in New York to meet at his production studio, his oh, cool. uh, office. So, which is only about five or six miles away from uh, Rockefeller uh, Square, so um, center. And so we we sat down. We had a big meeting and small amount of people in a huge boardroom kind of deal and um you know he just he, you know he found rachel ray i don't know if a lot of people know oh that. i didn't know he that he actually found her and, and produced her on her first uh food show oh so he he actually has his name behind a lot of food celebrity you know names so oh, i, I know knew that. i was in good hands yeah and it, it one of those things a couple of people changed over the holidays hit all the you know it's just and then just you know we would ping him again and just nothing ended up happening but I did get a meeting with him, uh, and every time I was on after that, he was very cordial to me. He actually did the majority of our food segments. Out of the 20 plus times that I've done the Today Show, he was, I, I've probably done the shows with him maybe 12 times, gotcha. 12 out of the 20, so. Yeah, I guess when I think about and Hoda that. Hoda and Kathy obviously was, you know, in the fourth hour. Yeah, the, you made him hurricanes. We did. The one that I saw, you yeah. made that. You we had. did a New Orleans segment, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's funny. Oh, a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you miss being on, on like the TV? I mean, the, the TV shows? Because you also did Chopped and Chopped Ju Jr., right? Uh, Judge Chopped Jr. and Judge Regular Chopped a couple times as well. Um, do I miss it? Yeah, but I mean, those gigs come up, so I'm still doing them. Still yeah. doing them? Uh -huh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, not necessarily. I'd love to, you know, have a standing gig with Chopped and sure. go up there, you know, once a month and judge a couple shows and knock out a couple tapings, but um, we're not quite there yet. Vivian, call me. <laughs> what? <laughs> so the kids on Chopped, is it, talk about like, not trying to break dreams. I mean, they oh don't. my God, it's, 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 I think I kind of just went into it blind, like, oh yeah, this will be fun. Uh, these kids are, so, well, first of all, my oldest, who's now 17, yeah. senior in high school, uh, went on when he was 14. Oh, that's crazy. So he actually, he went on as a participant. But before. you didn't judge that one, no, 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 though, because no. that just sounds yeah, wrong. it's a conflict, yeah. <laughs> I judge him every day. Uh, no, but, but it, that comes free of charge. Exactly. That's part of the deal. So, no, we, um, he went on before, and I think maybe about a year, year and a half later, I, I was asked to judge a, a, a junior episode. Um, and it is. These kids are like, they're so serious, you know? And so you say it, and you're uh -oh. like, Okay, we're gonna have to break. Time. Do, it. Do it. Do it. We can break. Hold on. It's okay, the best part of the show. Oh yeah. It's magical. <laughs> okay. There we go. I'm always impressed with the fact that the ambidextrousness. Mm -hmm. She can do both. I barely, she laughs at me when I- I just love face turns red like that. <laughs> it's hard. I just took a lot of cocktails last night, so I'm a little, I'm a little tired. A little flush. Um, all right. What we got here? David, you know, you know, hailing from that great city. Yes. You know, there's a lot of cocktails that were made there, invented there. There are a few. You drank there, you loved there, you've embraced it. But let's talk about the Brandy Crosstalk. Let's talk about it. We know about it. I don't know anything about it. I just know that the, I love the it. rim sugar stands for faith, justice, and power. So, so here's the deal. Brandy Cresta <laughs> was it invented in New Orleans. You know, quite honestly, not 100% on that, but I don't think anybody really is. <laughs> they do serve them there. This is a version of the Brandy Cresta because this. Are you saying cross off? Crusta. Crusta. Got it. C-R-U-S-T-A. Copy that. 
So this is, I think this is a party in a glass. So this is sure looks two like ounces of Cavassier VSOP, and then it is um, one ounce of lemon juice. Mm -hmm. And all of your sugar is on the outside of your glass. Nice. And that's oh. the crusta. Oh, that's and then the crusta. Because in honor of Mardi Gras, we'll get to your favorite holiday. We will. It used to be my favorite holiday. It used to be. <laughs> I'm what teasing. Happened? I'm teasing. You, it better be. Um, I will give you the cocktail. Pretty, pretty, pretty. Gorgeous. So it is over the top, dressed up, mm -hmm. all the colors. Tell me what the colors mean, David. Uh, faith, justice, and power. Which is which? So um, purple is uh, faith. justice. Oh. Green is faith and yellow is power. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you'd think purple would be faith. Yeah. Just because of Lent and like purple and Advent or, yep. or whatever. Well, it's it. also the color of royalty too. Right. That's why I kind of went, yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Exactly. I'm happy to be wrong. Cheers. This is good uh, Cheers. So Salud. It, you have to Beautiful. kind of knock off your topping and just go for it. Knock off our top? It's off, yeah. That's a Take different top show. off what? Yeah. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. Mm. You ever had a brandy casa? I have not. Now you have. I, I have. Cherry. And I'm gonna have just like. And now, and, now, and now it is all about. It's all about uh, Mardi Gras. Are you picking the color of um, sugar that you're consuming? Well, I pick purple. David actually made the sugar for us. I made it. At yes. his lovely. I colored it. I didn't make it. At, at, <laughs> at Bayou Bakery. That's correct. Yeah. Um, which is here in Arlington. Um, mm. But what's super cool is that David is all things. Mardi Gras in New Orleans, right? Yes. As we've all been listening to. Absolutely. Well, I inspired he, his cookbook. Well, the one thing that he so. does here that's kind of insane is that he throws the biggest Mardi Gras party we do. in D.C. Well, we do, but but Hoorah. David started this um, in his little bakery, and one day was like, you need to come over. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, and you get all of his friends, like, you need to, you need to come here and, and you know, have a friend that stocks oysters. Like, you need to make a drink. You need to do all this stuff. And he, and he made... The people of Virginia really embrace Mardi Gras in a tiny restaurant space. How big is your space, your, your seating? What? It's, well, we seat 65, 60. Okay, so yeah. 1,500 square feet yeah. of, pa of, of space mm -hmm. yeah. to party and bring it in, right? Well, year after year, David invited his friends back and another friend came and another friend came and another friend came and now there's a lot of friends and now there's a tent. Yes. Yeah, we outgrew the space after year one and had to take it to the street. So we've got Gina, uh, obviously, is kind of in uh, charge of, of all of our bar keeps. Hold and, on, I uh, actually make all the food. David makes the cocktails. Exactly. Oh, you, you switch it up. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And we've got Bruce Pike, who owns Pike Productions, and Micheline Mendelson from uh, Good Stuff Eatery, and, um, and then Simone. And uh, there's many others that are part of our team, but yes. that's the core. I've been fortunate enough to come to two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we'll be so back at fun. Doc 5 this year, so we're super stoked about that. DC, yeah. We'll be yeah. back in the Northeast. And you can come. How do we get tickets? Do we have a date yet? Yes. Yeah, we January, haven't set a date? Yeah, February 25th. Oh, did we say? Okay, yep. great. Oh, right. on Fat Tuesday. Well, the, the Catholics decided the date. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. yeah, we just came off of a little kickoff season uh, party opener. That's right, the Epiphany. So um, that's what we did. So for the Epiphany, which is 12, you know, 12th night, uh, 12 days after Christmas, January 6th, uh, we did a kickoff. Um, that way now people kind of know and we can start heavily promoting for the next month and a half our event. And, you know, our main goal is just to 
write a bigger check to DC Central Kitchen every year. You know, they they've been such great partners with us. And I wanted you know, to, I wanted to hope I was hoping you would get there, like because we hadn't talked about like oh, the yeah. beneficiary of it all. I yeah, mean, I mean, it's a great time. We want to keep a little to... change in the account to be able to cut the check for the deposit for the next year, Absolutely. and that's about it. I mean, there's no other. I mean, we just do this because we want to celebrate this unique cultural, you know, celebration uh, in the nation's capital because, you know, and you know what, there's tons of Louisianians that live here, tons. Yeah, and then, and raising money for something even greater than, than even the holiday. And that's the fun byproduct, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, well, we have a little change left, let's write a check to DC Central Kitchen and um, get them, you know, sort of continue that partnership because they're, I mean, day of, they help promote, they help, you know, obviously, you know, do whatever they can from a social media standpoint, but then they also, you know, give us like 10, 12 volunteers day of, and we need that to, yeah. to, to build this space. Um, so DC Kitchens, for those of us who don't know, can you tell me a little bit about that organization? DC Central Kitchen? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, Mike Kirtland currently is uh, the, d the director of the organization, and, and um, they're really, they've created a, an amazing place uh, where people can come and learn a trade. You know, people that, uh, you know, need, need direction, um, you know, whether... I mean, from all walks of life, let's just put it that mo way. Mo am I wrong in saying that it's mostly like people who were homeless, homeless yeah. or incarcerated yep. have other challenges of trying to get into the workplace, Correct. maybe without a skill. This gives right. them something to be able to lift oneself up by your bootstraps and really make That's a exactly difference. Right. And, 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 and you're not you're not just giving them a meal you're giving them no, no, a no. career right. and a no, way it's, to, to it's beyond that yeah, yeah it's bigger than a that. life sure yeah. it's it's about accountability it's about sense of um uh, place you know and, you know being wanted and going to a place where you know you establish you know chemistry and, and relationships with your coworkers. Purpose. people depend on you you depend on them and that's kind of the deal and it's a it's a unique set up and it's just a lot of fun and I try to do things with them as well go there and teach a class or just give back some of my own time which is amazing David how do you get tickets do you know <laughs> yes <laughs> Eventbrite but we're our website is uh, Mardi Gras extravaganza don't worry is it dc.com or is yeah, it okay DC. don't worry so we're here we're gonna do pro proper housekeeping yep. we're gonna send everyone where to designateddrinker.show. Just in case they didn't get the first time. <coughs> designateddrinker.show. And we're gonna have all the tips and tricks like we always do on all of our recipes, but we're definitely gonna make sure that we have a way for them to find a link, all, a link to make sure that you get Tickets. more information yeah. about the event itself and make sure that you can get a ticket. Cause that, that's what's key is that you're giving back to something so great. I mean, obviously toting and honoring a a culture, um, but then also giving to something much. Hurricane better. competitions, live brass music. We got big <laughs> horns. We got and great you food. Beads. beads is like, yeah, that. Of course, we have yeah. beads. We got drag queens. We got everything. It's, a, it's it is, it is, a, is it a party like no other? And oh, it's anybody a can fun come. Party. Yeah, party, it, party, it, party for everybody. It is a great party. party. It is a fun party. We, I guess, we missed that. We has it has a lot of great meaning behind it, but. Uh, for a participant, it's so much fun. Yeah. And you don't have to take your shirt off to get the bead. Nope. Uh, well, it's encouraged. Well, no, I'm well, just kidding. Gina, um, I'm like, keep your shirt on. We'll we'll on. We have one more question. We have one more question. <laughs> it's my question. I get one question on the show. This is my question. Oh, my God. Are you ready? <laughs> so uh, in this no. world of spirit, people identifying with spirit animals, um, if you could identify yourself as one ingredient, what would it be and why? 
Oh, I thought you were going to ask me about my, my animal name, because I do have one. I don't. No, I want to hear your ingredient. Because that was an easy. All right, fine. No, what I, is your animal name? Sneaky Tiger. Interesting. Yeah. Sneaky what is Tiger? Sneaky. Sneaky. Sneaky Please Tiger. Please tell me what your ingredient is. Yeah. Go. God. One ingredient that defines you. Well, we have backup music. <laughs> backup truck Butter. music. Oh. Butter. Why? Yeah. I mean, I'm got a little fat, you know. I got a little, uh, t- you know, a little. Everybody little creamy, loves butter. You can never have enough you know, butter. It's a good, it's a good place to start. A lot yeah. of dishes start with butter. Yeah. So it's it's considered kind of a primary ingredient, maybe. So it's kind of like without cake, you know, you can't make cake without butter. You can, I mean, obviously now you can do a lot of things to make cake. Never mind. You know what I'm saying? Before yes. all this stuff back in the day. <laughs> I like it. You start with butter. Exactly. We're gonna end with butter on the show. It's all about it's, butter. It's big butter, cheers. It's butter. 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 You have the butter. <laughs> so cheers. to butter, to Mardi Gras, to David. Salute. See yes. you in 2020. Cheers. Yes. Cheers. Thanks for having me.